We gotta go to the bullpen. Hello listeners and a warm welcome to the Highland Bullpen Baseball and Sports Podcast. Our bullpen bros will give a uniquely Scottish take on America's pastime. And in terms of baseball knowledge, it doesn't matter if you're a Hall of Famer heading for Cooperstown or you're fresh out of the minor leagues. This is the podcast for you. We've got a packed show coming up for you this week, which is the opening week of Major League Baseball's 2021 season. And we've got lots of great content coming at you faster than a Shoei Otani fastball. Bullpen bros, Alan, Dave, Junior, Yorkshire, Dave and myself will bring you our highlights of the week. We've got a quiz coming up, which you can take part in on social media. We'll talk about fantasy baseball. What are you doing with your fantasy baseball team? Show mascot Hamish the Highland Bull will choose his hero and villain of the week. And we've also got a feature where we talk about the three things we've learned about baseball this week. But let's start with the bros' highlight of the week. Okay, my highlight of week one of the 2021 MLB season is pretty much a highlight with a little low light thrown at the end. Shohei Otani did an extraordinary double for the LA Angels, hitting the hardest homer while also throwing the hardest pitch by a starter in the majors this season. It was just past Sunday there. And obviously Otani's a bit of a sensation, but I don't think anybody could have predicted him doing that. Even just hitting his first pitch right into the stands, 451 feet he walloped it out for, was a pretty incredible moment, because I know we've spoken before about whether pitchers hitting is a good idea or not, given they're back to hitting this season. But there aren't many pitchers who'd, who'd hit their first ball into the stands and also be capable of, of throwing 106, 100.6 mile per hour pitch as well. Unfortunately, I had to limp out of that game later on against uh, Dave Jr.'s Chicago White Sox. So I don't know. Did you see that at the time live, Dave Jr.? did. Um, do you know, it was a really uh, it is a fascinating matchup the whole night. Um, it was a really good series to watch, actually. So the incident that took him out of the game, it was it was a fantastic, <laughs> you know, it was a really action-packed incident as well, um, because I think from memory, you had a bit of a wild pitch, um, you had runners kind of all over the place, and I think it was Abreu, um, you know, the American League MVP sliding into home, and he just took him out, because at that point, Otani had came to, to home plate to cover for the catcher, um, and again, it's just, it, it really was an unfortunate incident. You know, you don't get a whole lot of sportsmanship at times in baseball. Um, and I, I might be saying this as a White Sox fan, but Abreu, I think he was really considerate afterwards. He was making sure he was okay. Um, he seems to be a good guy in general, but Otani, oh, I mean, he hadn't had a, had a great batting series up until then. I think this was perhaps the third outing, the second. He did a pretty unremarkable time at bat. Um, but oh, you know, he launched that one, you know, miles out the ground. It might still be going just now. Um, and he's pitching at times. Again, I'll maybe leave a little bit more on this for my own notes from the week. But the amount of times over 100 miles per hour, backing that up with fantastic batting. Um, I'd actually, I've watched him in spring training and I've, 
was trying to find my notebook there because I thought I'm I'm bagging him for the fantasy league. And then the more I thought about it, I thought, well, spring training, who knows? You know, it, it might be a bit of a blip, but the guy, uh, the guy looks a bit of a freak in, in the best possible way. He just looks a talented, talented young man. He's only the third pitcher in the past 45 years to hit for himself in a game where they have the option of having a, D, a DH and also the very first pitcher to bat second since Jack Dunleavy did it for the St. Louis Cardinals and you'll no doubt remember this well back in 1903 118 years I've ago I've got a chance yeah, so I, I think as you say David in the nicest possible way the man is a, a, a unique individual I think would possibly be a way of doing it but on the basis that they hit a homer and pitched over 100 mile per hour in the same innings, that would have to be my highlight of the week. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? And um, I don't know if this is his uh, <laughs> official um, nickname, but I think I saw a headline about what he achieved and they were referring to him as two-way Shohei. So because he can, you know, he's versatile and he can bat and he can pitch. And I have a feeling he... Did he get brought into uh, the next game or the game after as a pinch hitter? He wasn't even pitching because he's a starting pitcher, isn't he? So he's not going to be in every game. And I have a feeling they brought him in as a pinch hitter, so they must like him. That's um, ludicrous, isn't it? So, so uh, Yorkshire Day, then what's your, what was your highlight of the opening week of the MLB season? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to go for something slightly different and I think it was in the same series which seems to have produced quite a lot of interesting incidents and I liked this um, headline it was Justin Upton works 11 pitch walk now this this has got to be my personal favorite and it was an at-bat that would please any supporter of Yorkshire cricket now, but I think I think in previous episodes we have spoken about the, some similarities between cricket and baseball, and you know it's a bat and ball game, and uh, you know there's, there, there are lots of diff, uh, similarities. I think uh, Yorkshire protecting your cricket, you know, it's not um, not getting yourself out is really important. And there are plenty of examples of pretty obdurate opening batsmen playing for Yorkshire. But this this guy, and it was a really important stage of the game as well. I think it was a, a, a crucial eighth inning at bat when he drew this 11-pitch walk. I think it got to, the count had got to two and two. And it was either at that stage or at three and two, full count, and he, he fouled off five successive balls, you know. And I've, I've seen, I don't know whether you watch it live, Dave, but I've seen it. And then he walked, and the walk loaded the bases for Albert Pujols, no less, to come in. And then he drove uh, drove in the go-ahead run. And I think it completed a, a comeback-from-behind win for the Angels. So... It shows you the value of, uh, you know, sort of these at-bats. So that's my highlight. (laughs) Absolutely. That kind of really gritty batting performance, isn't it, Yorkshire? It is the the right word, yeah. 
Absolutely. And Dave Jr., what was your personal highlight of the week then? You kind of hinted earlier on. What's your what's your highlight? I have to go with Yermin Mercedes um, for the White Sox. So he has, I'm going to rechristen them actually, which you'll know that I've, this is my own creation, um, given our part of the world. But I'm just going to rechristen them Yerman Mercedes <laughs> because he, you know, what a, what a real fairy tale story uh, that must be. Um, just to give you a bit of backdrop. So he, he looks like one of these guys that has perhaps bounced around a few of the AAA, AA, single A type leagues. He's always there with spring training. Um, I think at one point he was even uh, optioned out to Allen's Charlotte Knights. Um, and this was him, 28 years old. Um, you know, on the back of uh, last year, we lost one of our catchers, uh, McCann, who went to, I think he might have went to Allen's Detroit Tigers, actually. Um, or, or he came from the Tigers. He came from the say. Tigers. Um, and we had a bit of a, a gap for catcher, so he's been substituting there and being our sort of second choice uh, throughout spring training, um, and he's he's been dabbling a little bit in outfield as well. Just been trying to find a, a good home for him, so he made his debut and went five for five, which you know, he must his dad must have been sitting there ready to kind of cut out the the old newspaper clipping, put up on a wall somewhere. You know, when your son goes five for five on his major league debut. Um, I must have been annoying you guys the next night because I felt like every time he was up to bat, I was dropping another message in the box to say he's six for six, he's seven for eight for eight. Um, and although you know he's had some some great moments again, he's, he's homered during that, that period of time as well. Um, he's batted in six runs already. Um, yeah, I think he's made a wee bit of a, a short-term sensation in the States. Um, I, I don't think anyone sees him as a, as a long-term, fantastic MVP-type player, although who knows. But I think it's more about the story, and it's somebody 28 years old coming in, making their debut from, from out of nowhere, um, as a, another film would, would say. Um, and even the last few nights, it's, it's not as if five from five was... Um, that that's where it ended. I think he's now something like 12 for 18. He's up, I think he's 0.67 for his average. Yeah, he totally messed up his uh, 1,000 average, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's still doing pretty well. Yeah, and again, it's, it's great because it might just show that side of someone. If someone is on a hot streak, find a way to get them in the team. Let that confidence go through. And um, I, I, Again, it's great. I don't mean to to pick up on two things, Richard, sorry, and, and use the second one, but my other highlight, it's, and it, it does tie into this, it's having some fans back in the stadium because when when Mercedes came off at the end of that second night, I think he was perhaps eight for nine. Um, you know, these fans that are in the stadium aren't sitting there with a laptop with all these stats at hand, particularly given that it was at the Angels. They recognised going into the game that there's a young man who's went five for five, they must be in the same way that Alan and Dave have sat at games and took some stats. They know what's unfolding before them. They're knowledgeable fans. And he actually got a standing ovation you know, that night, considering you know, the White Sox were getting beat. You could see these guys, uh, these Angels fans, giving him a standing ovation. And again, he recognised what a lovely surprise. Um, it's not as if he, you know, he went and done a cycle that night or, or anything. I think people just recognise that's a special start to your MLB career. Well done. 
uh, and applauded him off the pitch. Absolutely. I think like you've said before, Dave Jr., it's in all these moments which transcends teams in baseball. You get a certain type of events that happen and fans, even the most rabid and devoted fans, can, can leave that aside just to recognise something great's happening in the sport of baseball and what baseball's all about. So that seems a great pick for highlight of the week, which which just leaves Alan. Alan, the bullpen bros have set a high standard there for highlights from this first week of the MLB season. What what have you got? Have you got a hundred mile per hour fastball to to close us with here? Got some got some good hitting. Uh, not not dissimilar partially to the story that uh, Dave Junior had there. Akil Babu, uh, Tigers. Um, Bit of a backstory here. Uh, I think he'd only played up to single A. He'd a bad injury. Um, so the Tigers win their first two games of the season. Uh, Akio comes in for his Major League Baseball debut. Uh, uh, he played both the third and fourth game, which unfortunately the Tigers won. But his first at bat, Major League Baseball, home run. Uh, unbelievable. The thing I loved about it, his parents and his brothers were in the stadium, as, as you would probably expect they go and get interviewed and and I just think yeah they're sportsmen they're iconic people they're achieving great things but I just think the reminder that the family are there the family have probably made sacrifices to get their lad to that level and to see him achieve that is great the next day um we're getting humped off the twins but bases are loaded for the tigers and he comes in and he hits a grand slam um, I just fantastic stuff. Uh, two defeats, but there you go. Um, and I think we might mention a couple of those incidents in other contexts as we go through the conversation as well. But that that has to be a highlight. I just love seeing. It. I love his interviewing his family. His family being there, perfect. No, absolutely, and that's a great way to close out our opening section of the Highland bullpen and that leads us on neatly to some incredible performances there which will have scored big in the world of fantasy baseball a world in which the Highland bullpen bros have dipped their toe into the water this season Uh, we feel we've made a reasonable start for newcomers to fantasy baseball uh, but we've certainly still got plenty to learn and Alan our opening salvos if you like in the world of fantasy baseball I think it's been Pretty uh, accomplished beginning. How would yeah. you how would you describe it? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pleased. I think our strategy had me a bit concerned that we're gonna we're gonna get humped, but I think we've got a strong team for the strategy. I realised very quickly um, trading is an interesting thing because I'm probably not used to a fantasy league where you're trading and it's only one team can have one player. So the the issue here is. Do you then get rid of somebody who's struggling or do you then try and pull somebody in who's looking good? Uh, and I think at this stage, we're probably sticking with the theory of we've drafted these guys first. They're the long-term prospects, so it's right to do that. I noticed my man, Akil Babu, was drafted this morning into one of the teams and it, it had crossed my mind, oh, there's a Tiger doing well. He's not playing tonight. Um, so I'm assuming AJ Hinch knows how to manage the guy. He might go on and be the star man, but at this stage, I think we'll stick with the guys we, we've got. Trading is going to be hard for us because it's not as if we can then go and we want to go and pick somebody good from the Dodgers. We're, we're restricted yeah. in our teams, but 
Yeah. Importantly as well, we've worked out how the scoring goes as well. So that might give us a, a little bit of a help as well. That's, that's good. That's going to help a bit, hasn't it? And, and, and a shout, shout out maybe for our opponents in the first week. Angels over the pond. Uh, Matt runs that. Uh, LA Angels fans. So uh, good luck to them. They'll do a good job. There's a lot of good promotion on the on, on the Angels and baseball in the UK. No, absolutely. I would only echo that, Alan. And, and Dave Jr., for those that maybe didn't catch it previously, what are the kind of rules that we've set ourselves for the Highland Bullpen Fantasy Baseball League where we take on other podcasts? What what restrictions have we chosen to pick our team with? I think that leads on really nicely from Alan's point that how do you stick with your team? Um, you know, You don't want to just necessarily chop and change depending on who's trending or who's not because we've got this very very um, simplistic but I think it's quite an ambitious uh, tactic to only utilise players from the White Sox, the Red Sox, the Tigers and the Mariners, the four teams that that we all support. Um, So it'd be very difficult to go out there and think okay there's a guy playing well for the Dodgers just now, Let's, let's try and do what we can to get him in. The only players that would interest us would be those from our own teams and we pretty much we were able to to take exactly who we wanted um, on that opening draft night, which was which was excellent. So now it's a case of uh, which Alan's done pretty well so far. It's really just shuffling the pack every night or two and seeing where we can where we can go from there. Absolutely, and and Yorkshire Dave as well. I mean that is a fairly sizable restriction we've given ourselves because. Historically, for the last few seasons, the Mariners and Tigers haven't been at the top of their game. And even your very own Boston Red Sox, who you'd normally rely upon for some top scorers in the fantasy baseball, uh, their struggles continue? Yes, although um, I think uh, that some of the batters found, uh, found you know, made a few hits the other, the other day, didn't they? And they got their first win on the board. And I think we do have... J.D. Martinez, yeah, please tell me I've not got that wrong. I know in our own little yeah. uh, tryout league, I was trying to fill my uh, team with Boston Red Sox guys, but I'm sure Dave nicked him, didn't he? Have you got J.D. in your lineup? Oh, I had noticed. I had sorry, <laughs> Dave. Yeah, so, yeah, I think one thing about the, the Red Sox, they had a very slow start, didn't they? You know, I, I don't think... Um, there was much wrong with the starting pitching in the first two games. Got a bit ugly in the third game, but surprisingly, their hitters weren't doing um, anything at all. But they they should come good, I think. Uh, so we'll get a few points from that, a few runs, a few hits on the board. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let it never be said that the bullpen draws aren't competitive because, as well as uh, coming together for our kind of all-star team to take on our fellow podcasters, we've also got a little inter bullpen. Uh, action going on there where we've all got our our four teams our individual teams that are competing against each other in a friendly mini league and I don't know Alan if somebody would maybe like to talk through the current standings <laughs> yes I can, I can find that very quickly I think um, if you give me two seconds the four teams are the Sinking Mariners the Roston Bed Sox Detroit Tigers Suck SUK and the White Jocks uh, so they're appropriately named teams. It's live update. Uh, Richard's obviously asked for an update because he probably knows the Sinking Mariners are currently at the top of the list. 
They uh, are they're, they're the rising mariners at the moment, Alan. Long the rising mariners. But it's, uh, yes, a decent start, considering I, I know very little about what I'm doing. What, I would, su- what I would suggest is the league is reversed in terms of what is likely to happen in real life. And it's, <laughs> it's the mariners, the tigers, the Austin Bed Sox and the White Jocks at the bottom. And I suspect in the real world of baseball, things might look a wee bit different from that. Dave? Oh, just um, well, Richard was really kind to, to bring up the standings there, which I'm <laughs> sure he was completely unaware of. Um, in addition to this, just to give us a third little leak, we're also we ha- we're keeping track of all the, the div- interdivisional games between our four teams. So, Alan, if I could give a, a slight update on that. Yes, today, please. If that's okay. So, at the moment, the, um, the White Sox are in first place. Um, and, and again, the Red Sox and Tigers are in the middle, but the Mariners are bottom. So, Richard, I'm just going on that depending on runs scored, but I could do it also on uh, just any number of statistics <laughs> if you want. Just Every now. number of statistics. Yeah, yeah. I think, I just, I think we're okay. <laughs> are you, are you sure? Um, last, last night, the White Sox managed to, to beat the Mariners 6-0, um, which that's the only game that's took place so far. But I think Dave mentioned last week the White Sox take on all three of your teams uh, during the month of April. So that'll be a, a nice little indicator to see how the season's going. Uh, but no, Richard's doing really, really well so far. Um, and the, to, to everyone's delight, Dave Jr., I can tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, the, the Mariners got soundly thrashed by our White Sox. It was one of those ones they, got, they were lucky to get zero, to be honest with you. But in general, it's been a fairly encouraging start to the season, I think, uh, both for our respective teams and also for our, our Fantasy League debuts. And we'll obviously keep listeners up to date with the, the latest action as, as we move on week to week. Now, I know a popular feature uh, has always been the quiz, a chance for us to show off our baseball knowledge or lack thereof. And Yorkshire Dave, as always, is the man in the know, the quiz master for the Highland Bullpen. So, Yorkshire Dave, I think you've got some questions this week, but also a new approach, which we hope will add even more interest for our listeners. Yes, instead of a sort of a competition between the four of us or me asking the questions and you three. I think what we thought we'd do is just throw two or three questions out there to you three and to all our followers and listeners. And um, we might even post them on um, the Highland Bullpen's Twitter feed. So I'll, I've, I've worked out three questions. They're slightly, I don't know, see what you think. They're slightly gimmicky they're they're on a theme and um no answers today so uh i'm no cheating i'm no cheating yorkshire dave (laughs) well you know it's it's it it doesn't matter really it's it's cool whatever whatever you do um to come up with it but if you know the answer don't shout it out straight away if someone's listening to it they might have a bit of fun with it so um as i say it's on a on a theme um something that I know a little bit about baseball, but not a great deal about technology. Um, but both at work and play, the computer and our various devices play a big part in our lives now. Um, and uh, the three questions are sort of combining baseball and sort of technology. But for the first one, which key 
on a standard UK keyboard shares its name with a defensive strategy in baseball. Which like key that. on a standard UK keyboard shares its name with a defensive strategy in baseball? Okay. Second. Control Alt Delete, no? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to do that with some of our players on the fantasy team. But uh, yeah, uh, number two. What single four letter word? is both a credit given to a pitcher under certain prescribed circumstances and a commonly used command function or option in Microsoft Word. So what word both describes a credit given to a pitcher and a command option in Microsoft Word? And finally, mm. number three, can you give me the two-digit abbreviation that's a letter followed by a number that might be seen in a baseball scorecard, which would denote an out made by a left fielder, and is also, I think, the spell check function in Microsoft Word. Again, this would appear on a standard UK scoreboard. Uh, keyboard even. So what we're looking for is uh, a letter and a number that you might find in a baseball scorecard, an out made by a left fielder, or the spell check option. Interesting. Fantastic. Really ingenious Yorkshire Dave and I like that a lot. That was this week's Highland Bullpen quiz brought to you by the Bill Gates Foundation and Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> I've had my vaccine as well, so but Bill will be watching. So yeah, thanks, Bill. Thanks, 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 Bill. That's terrific. Well, that's a really great way to do it, Yorkshire Dave. And we look forward to to seeing what answers our listeners and followers can come up with as well. You often hear social media people being called keyboard warriors, so we'll find out how well they really need their, they really know their keyboards. Those warriors there, Dave Junior. Uh, I mean, just to pick up on that, please do um, get in touch with us via Twitter or, or however you communicate with people uh, using that said keyboard. Uh, but just a small shout out as well. Some of the statistics that we got back in the last few weeks is that we've actually got quite a lot of listeners in both India and Chile. And it was just purely if anybody is there or if you've been to the UK holiday there and say to download the, the podcast when you were visiting, please do get in touch because we'd just love to hear how did you find out about us um, and if we can start some sort of dialogue or get you on the show, that would be absolutely fantastic. No, absolutely. Great point, Dave Jr. And if you're listening well, you're in Delhi or Santiago, please do get in touch because we'd love to we'd love to hear more from you. And, and Alan, how can people get in touch via social media? How can they how can they catch up with the bullpen bros? Yeah, as, as youngsters, we we're all over social media, all well we're attempting to be all over social media. Uh, Twitter's our main forum. Uh, Twitter's great for knowledge and for information. So we tend to use that. So just search for the Highland Bullpen on Twitter. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, and we're also on Facebook uh, too. So, but uh, for aficionados of baseball, I think Twitter would be the place to go. Uh, we've set ourselves a couple of challenges this year. Um, 
First up, a tip to the Seattle Mariners who liked one of our tweet responses to us. So that's, let's see if the Tigers, the Red Sox and the White Sox can replicate that during the year as well. Can I call you? Did nothing else to do last night, Alan. <laughs> As I was going to say, those classy Mariners, Alan, let's hope that the, the Tigers, the Red Sox, and particularly those White Sox can actually arise to that, that challenge as well. So that, that that's the challenge for them. Obviously, it was the skill of my tweet responsing that made them like what, what I was doing as well. But a couple of other things maybe on the social media, on the Twitter side, custom sports cards. Um, they were taking part in the T and Tops baseball card competition. They pulled together a fantastic uh, baseball card for the Highland bullpen, uh, which uh, they, they shared on Twitter. And we'll put that on our Twitter feed now as well. So well done to guys, Matt, at Custom Sports Cards for, for doing that. And also to everybody new who's followed us on Twitter in the, in the last week or so. We've had a lot of new followers, quite a lot from the Chicago area. Quite a lot of White Sox fans, so thanks to Southside Zoe and Pinwheels and Ivy for chatting to us. That's, that's generated uh, quite a bit of interest for us. So we're delighted to have you aboard and listening to us over here in Scotland. Absolutely. So please follow and subscribe. We're available on all your favourite podcast platforms. And and as I said, we, we're, we're still learning the game. There's always lots to learn about baseball. I've been told by people who've been following it for decades rather than years that they're still learning as well and there's always something new so so this week the opening week of the 21 MLB season what have we learned now I know that Yorkshire Dave has a particularly good one as well which we could all discuss I think Yorkshire Dave what have you learned in the last week of baseball yeah you're quite right it's a it's a game where it's incredible it's only been going for a couple of days and a few days and the amount of amazing things that have happened and records that seemed to be broken. You know, it hasn't happened since the year 1903 or 1900. It's, it's quite amazing. And there was one um, thing that happened which caught my eye, and I couldn't quite work out what had happened when I first saw it. And it's, um, it's almost like, uh, when is a home run not a home run? And um, this was uh, when Cody Ballinger hit um, a shot out to centre field. And he was he ended up being credited with an RBI single, but also being called out. And um, when I saw it, I hadn't really read the article. I was just looking at the at the highlight reel, and um, I think uh, he did he did nothing really wrong in his strategy for running because he hit it out and he ran hard um, the first base, and it looked like he was going to be caught out. And he kept running, and his focus was on getting to second base. Um, but unbeknown to him, um, the fielder, it, it, he almost caught it. It went through his hands and in, over the wall into the bleachers. Now, there's a guy at first base. Is it Justin Turner? I think it was. Awesome. And he was pretty sure. He would obviously, on the crack of the bat, he'd be going for second base. But um, he was certain that it was going to be caught, and he immediately turned and ran back to first base. Now, <laughs> so meanwhile, Cody Bellinger has got his head down and he's diving, uh, diving around. And, and this is a reason why he was given out. He actually passed a base runner. He passed 
Justin Turner, who was now <laughs> safe on first base. So there's quite a lot of a there was quite a to do about him. You know, even the commentators hadn't quite worked. I think someone more quickly than the rest of them worked out that he'd passed a runner. But it took a while for it to sort everything out and uh, for the umpires to give their decision. And I think it eventually was it was obviously given out because he'd run past um, uh, an existing base runner and he was credited with um, an RBI single, though. And Justin Turner was invited to, to run around the bases. So, uh, yeah, definitely... Uh, learned something there. I think we all did. It was remarkable as well, wasn't it? Because it was Remel Tapia, the outfielder, and it was actually a really sensational attempt because yeah. it looked a homer. I mean, it was beyond the fence. He, he flicked it back in, almost Yorkshire Dave in cricket, where you see a ball's going out and the guy, instead of trying to catch it because he knows he'll land outside the ropes, yes. it'll be a six, flicks it backwards. To, to, yes. and, you know, you see that in cricket sometimes, uh, and sometimes another fielder will be there to catch or at least to throw it back. But it was incredible about fielding, to be honest with you. And you can totally see how it happened because Justin Turner's obviously thought it's been it's been caught because it looked yes. like it had been caught at first. And poor Cody Bellinger's been done out of that <laughs> home run, but that was a a fascinating one. And on the yes. subject, on the subject of home runs, uh, my kind of thing I learned this week. It wasn't something I was unaware of, but it was the first one I'd seen was an inside the park home run. So that was, was uh, yeah. So I got to see uh, that. That was McKinstry for the for the LA Dodgers, and that was the first time I'd seen that. And it was uh, the chap had done a, and again a good bit of fielding, but had given himself a bit of a crack uh, when doing it when trying to get it back from the fence. So he was sitting. <laughs> he looked actually half dazed. But obviously that allowed McKinstry to, to sprint around the bases for the for the inside the the park home run. So that's the first one I've seen. So that was a pretty impressive one as well. And and I think Dave Junior, you also you've got another one in terms of what we learned this week. Yeah, um, it's more so that I've relearned something, um, if that makes any sense. And it was from the Cathedral of Baseball. Uh, which again, I, I wasn't. Sh- I didn't know that Fenway was referred to as the Cathedral of Baseball. No, um, I don't know that actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just so by to- Scots fans, probably. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so during, uh, I caught one of the games. I think it was last night or the night before, and they were really trying to explain the difference between uh, at third base and the shortstop position because of the the intricacies of Fenway's seating system, the seats are almost <laughs> overhanging third base to an extent, um, like ground level. And what they were trying to explain was if you are, are fielding at Fenway and you're a shortstop, when you see your guy at third base come over to try and uh, catch perhaps a foul ball going out, the shortstop automatically comes over because apparently at Fenway there's a really good chance that the ball can bounce back out um, and again you know, the third baseman, no matter how experienced or how talented they are there's a really strong chance that that ball can come come back into to play um, or, or sorry, remain in play um, and again it just reminded me and again the way that the commentators were talking is that every single ground will have these small intricacies and if you're playing at these grounds it's not 
Like in football, you can turn up and the only slight different dimensions might be a slightly wider pitch or a, a longer pitch. All of these stadiums have got different rules depending on where a ball may hit, you know, a scoreboard or, or so on and so forth. So I just thought it was really quite interesting that, you know, not only do you have to learn about the team, but where you're playing really matters as well. And I wonder if that, that does add to home advantage at times. I don't know if, if you've got any thoughts, Dave. Uh, yeah, I think uh, every ground has its, their own ground rules. And the sort of ground rule, rule double comes out of that. But there's a sort of a, a myth surrounding uh, Fenway, I think, where there's such a thing as a, as a ground rule triple. And on the green monster, there is a ladder. And I think it goes from the scoreboard up to the top of the wall. And um, there's this myth saying that it, I think if the ball hits the ladder, it's um, and bounces uh, fair. Um, it's uh, it's a ground rule double. But uh, this myth goes that should it get stuck somewhere between the rungs of the ladder, then it would be a ground rule triple. But sadly, that's not the case. But, and just to just to come in in the back of that, there was another incident last night at the Mariners when I was watching the White Sox game. And again, it's just a reminder: you may you may think that catching a ball, a fly ball coming out, you know, way into outfield is a simple thing to do: stick your glove up and catch it. But when they were going into real detail, our left fielder Andrew Vaughan is keeping his eye on the ball making his way out and you've got the track at the back to indicate just how close you are to that um, to the back wall the warning track warning thank you Richard um, and it just goes to show that again every ground is different every ground will have that different layout and these players really have to familiarise themselves with, with every single possible ground um, because you've seen that the example last night Andrew Vaughan He's eyeing the ball, he's making his way back. And these guys, we've seen in plenty of highlights over the years, you can really collide into these back walls and potentially injure yourself, drop the ball. Um, and it, it really comes down to, there must be a whole lot of awareness on that, on that, uh, the ground, each ground. Absolutely. Well, just before we go to Alan there to close out this section, one thing I saw recently on some of the excellent coverage on MLB TV was when they gave you stats, they referred to a home run being a no-doubter. And what a no-doubter meant in that context was that would have been a home run in every park in baseball. Right. And I saw another one where they talked about a home run saying that would have been a home run in all but seven parks in Major League Baseball. So it was fascinating that they can take it to that level and say that, I mean, 395 might get you a home run in certain grounds and not in others. So it was fantastic to see the level of detail. And we know and we love the detail that goes into baseball statistics. But that was yet another added layer for me. And, and finally, Alan, to close out what we learned this week in baseball. Yeah, very. It's actually very similar, but potentially different as well. So if you saw the Tigers opening game and a home run from Miguel Cabrera, as always, and if you were watching it, it was snowing at the time, he slid into second base during his home run because what happened was the ball hit the fence at the back and comes back into play. So Miggy, understandably, makes an assumption 
that the ball is not out of the park, hence why you're, you're sliding into second base. But obviously, I understand about the foul poles in, in, the, in the ballpark as well. But on the stand, there is a yellow line painted across the stand. So if the ball hits above the yellow line, it's a home run. If a ball hits below the yellow line, it's not a home run. Very simple. And it makes sense that there has to be, it, it must be set at a certain height, which must have some consistency with other ballparks then as well. Uh, but the player, my, I know my own eyesight when I'm out in the golf course, I, I couldn't tell if it's above or below the, the yellow line. So it's understandable that you would sl- slide into there, whether you get a shout or whatever. The fans aren't going to know either. So you've got a, the ball's above the yellow line. So it was a home run. I'm watching it on the TV and people explaining it, it was obvious it was a home run, but I would have had no idea that that even existed in the ballpark beforehand. There was a blizzard blowing at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it? So it wasn't a normal uh, sort of... Uh, I, I, did, I did point <laughs> out that the, the Tigers are welcome to come and play in Scotland if they can play in that because the Red Sox postponed their game because of the threat of rain. So they maybe shouldn't <laughs> come to Scotland anytime soon. <laughs> Obviously made of sterner stuff in Detroit, obviously, uh, Alan. But just as well, the catcher wasn't there because I don't think you'd be very popular if you slid in and take out the catcher yeah. <laughs> when you've hit a home run anyway. I'm sure that wouldn't have gone down too well there. So uh, a great collection there of heroics and a, and a little bit of villainy in there as well, which brings us to our finale to this episode of the Highland Bullpen. Hamish, the show mascot, the Highland Bull, by popular demand, has insisted that he gets to choose a hero and villain of the week in baseball. So we've already talked about some remarkable achievements, some great baseball in this episode. But let's nail it. Uh, who Who is Hamish's hero of the week in baseball? I would, I'll, I'll throw the first name into the hat. I, I can't see past Otani. When, when you're setting records that haven't been touched for 117 years, 118 years, sorry, uh, that's pretty remarkable. But I'm open to hearing different arguments and, and different suggestions. Yeah, that's a bit like the Cubs winning the World Series or Hibs winning the Scottish Cup. So I think it's it's sufficiently <laughs> long to wait for that. that I'll, I'll back you up in that vote as well, Richard. Fantastic. Well, still room, there's still room for a tie if if both Daves come to, come to a different a different conclusion. But Dave Junior, can you have you got anyone you'd like to put up against a home run hitting pitcher? I mean, it's very hard to argue. 118 years wait for a record like that um, could only be topped by a 121 year wait for your first eight at bats to yeah. to hit every single one. So I, I would need to say that. You know, Mercedes, it's the first time since 1900 uh, that anyone has uh, you know, made contact the first eight uh, bats and again 12 of the first 18. I think that's pretty spectacular, but I don't think you can go wrong with either. Otani's is very unique. Um, at the end of the day, Mercedes is doing is stepping up there and doing what he's trying to, but I think Otani's is so unique, uh, a double sort of skill, um, I, I think it would be very hard to argue against that. But it's, a, but it's a very compelling case, I must say, Dave Jr. That's a really strong argument as well. As you say, the only thing I might say is that while he was doing remarkably uh, remarkable things, he was doing what he does 
but just doing it remarkably well. Where Otani's got that kind of that double, that double-edged piece, which which you referenced yourself there as well. But a great shout, Yorkshire Dave. We come to your your experience and knowledge to to settle this debate. <laughs> uh, I think I've you know I've got to go with two-way show. Hey, I mean uh, that was absolutely amazing, and I'm you know I'm still sort of hoping that, the, you know, the National League might keep the uh, pitcher hitting thing going, but, you know, this might be the last season when we see that. But if he's good enough to bat, he might he might bat anyway. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that was unique. Hitting is a hard thing to do, and what your man did with his, his eight for eight is is astonishing and great story. Um, but uh, if we can only have one, then two-way. Yeah. Eight for eight is great, but there's no way you can beat two-way this week in the Highland bullpen. So we need we need a villain of the week. We can celebrate the heroics, both from, from the pitcher and some extraordinary hitting. So, Alan, have you got anyone you'd like to recommend for uh, the villain of the week? Yes, it's. I'm going to recommend a team. And I'm also hopeful, that given that our passion is travelling and watching live sport, that, um, that this has to be a unanimous choice amongst us because it would be it'd be heartbreaking. I'm going to go for the Minnesota Twins' offence as the villain of the week. So the, the Tigers are playing their one, two, three, fourth game of the season. You've got 20% capacity in there. You've got 8,000 people. They're probably most of them are attending their first baseball game live in 18 months. And they're 15 1 down at the at the seventh inning stretch. That that's just unacceptable for fans to be so excited about getting in to see a game and enjoying the whole experience. And then villains like the Minnesota Twins offense turn up. I just don't think that's acceptable at all. So they have to take the award, in my opinion. That sounds perfectly sensible to me. Daves, do we have any disagreement among the Daves or is that a fair choice for villain? Yeah, I, I didn't really see uh, much evidence of villainy going on, to be honest. So uh, I'm quite happy to support Alan in, in his view. Didn't you come back and score a few runs later on? We got, got six, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, so maybe the relief pitchers... <laughs> you know, just the offense. You did, you did classify that, yeah. I think we did put. We we actually finished the inning, the last innings. I think it was Willie Castro came in and pitched. So an outfield player came in and pitched, um, uh, and uh, no, no scored. Nelson Cruz uh, struck out Nelson Cruz. I think from memory. Right. And Dave Junior to close out this show. You reckon that's fair enough for the villains? Are you happy to? to consign the twins to, to that. I hope we don't get any hate mail for this, but can we can we put in the state of Georgia? No? Yeah. No? Yeah. Is that not? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. It's the only bad boys I could think of in the media this week. Um, no, I mean, Nick Castellanos started a bit of a brawl between the, the Reds and the Cardinals during the week. I've not seen the footage at all, but he was issued with a two-game ban. So he could be up there for um, a bit of a baddie, but I don't really know exactly what happened. Oh, yeah, I, I think it. I did see that. I, I couldn't really work out 
what he'd done terribly wrong. He got hit by a pitch, didn't he? And had the temerity to stare back at the, yeah. the pitcher, but something else happened as well. So I didn't but follow the story up. It was almost like one of those classic football situations, I think, where the person who's hard done by is the one who ends up getting punished for their reaction. But what I loved about that, and nobody took me on in this on Twitter, was the Reds be the cards. There was a red card in the Reds be the cards. <laughs> Very good, Alan. Very good. And that is the final out at the bottom of the ninth innings of this episode of the Highland Bullpen Baseball Podcast. Please follow and subscribe. We're available on all your favourite platforms. And get in touch over social media. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, from fellow bullpen bros, Alan Yorkshire Dave and Dave Jr., this is Rico saying so long, and we'll see you next time.